0: Hi folks, this bonus episode is part of the Bridging the Echo Chambers Project, a project run and operated by a great Alberta-based organization called Food Water Wellness Foundation. The Food Water Wellness Foundation works with agriculture producers and researchers to understand how soil can be used to mitigate climate change, droughts and floods, increase biodiversity, and most importantly, produce healthy food the bridging the echo chambers project delves into the debate about the impacts of livestock on the environment and how we can facilitate healthy and constructive conversations between people who have different views and opinions so pretty relevant stuff since the livestock and environment issue has been a hot button issue for quite some time now In this episode, we'll be talking to Sarah Ray about how a different communications approach to the livestock and environment issue is required right now. We hope you find the Bridging the Echo Chambers podcast series thought-provoking as well as helpful. For more information about the overall project and to watch a short video on the project, go to the Food, Water, Wellness Foundation website. More information about the project can also be found on Facebook Just search Bridging the Echo Chambers.
1: So my name is Sarah Ray, and I have been involved in agriculture my entire life. So I grew up on a farm and we raised cattle. It was a really natural extension to go into the work I do now, which is telling agricultural stories through video work. And so my business partner, Ben Wilson, and I have been doing this for about 12 years now. Uh, and about four years ago, uh, we officially made it a business, and we are now known as Storybrokers Media House.
0: And are you related to the infamous Rays of Irocanna that we all know and love? I sure am.
1: So yeah, Doug Ray is my father-in-law, and he's a pretty cool guy. And uh, I've learned so much from him about uh, so much in agriculture. And actually, he was probably one of my first introductions really into uh, how closely tied in the environment, cattle grazing and, and waterways and everything are really connected. And when um, you know, when I was growing up, when you look at how much new information is coming out and evolving really in agriculture around regenerative ag. That's been so new and and the practices have been there for a long time, but really it, it it's been this new thing that's really became more mainstream now. You know, I think that I would have to credit my father in- law to really pulling all that together for me and having a, a deeper understanding of how it all works and why it
0: works. no, mm, oh, he's a very impressive producer, also trying to think at your family gatherings, like who's more the entertainer? Is it Tim or Doug because they both you know they're pretty good at it both of them <laughs> me
1: too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Tim,
1: Timmy's the family. Yeah. I mean, he, he could entertain anybody. He's the most wonderful speaker I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> mm, yeah. Very, um, very profound speaker I've noticed. And like, great, great ideas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Bridging the Echo Chambers Project. What is it? And how did you get involved?
1: Well, actually, we met Kim, who really spearheaded this whole project about three or four years ago. And my introduction to Kim was around soil. And her work with carbon sequestration and so that was sort of my first introduction to Kim and the work she's been doing and she's such a passionate woman about regenerative egg really about uh, you know the role that farming plays in preserving your soils and about the environment and and what was really cool with this project is that sort of seeing Kim's passion and then Ben's, Ben and myself um, are very passionate about doing storytelling, and then also really talking about some of the difficult parts of agriculture. And I think really that's where this story really interested us is that agriculture has a lot of challenges. And one of the biggest challenges is actually public. The public is having them understand different roles that animals and ranchers and farmers really play in terms of maintaining the environment and and how critical they are really in the system you know, the, the agriculture system in Canada. And so when Kim came to us with this project about uh, filming a conversation between a vegan and a feedlot producer around the role cattle play in the environment and using that as a stepping stone to show the rest of the agriculture industry how to have these difficult conversations that we face every single day. There's not a day that goes by you don't see something when you're scrolling on social media that makes you trigger and want to stop and answer it. So it's really important conversation. I think that it's a really cool video. David did a beautiful job at really showing us different techniques to having these important conversations. And then also different reasons to sort of highlight why we trigger and why this is is such a passion for a lot of farmers, why they when they go online, they want to have that fight. And those producers want to protect what's theirs. And by theirs, I don't mean the land, but more about uh, their passion the, their passion for the land. And and their practices, and they feel so connected to the land that this becomes a very personal conversation. And they're connected to the cattle for the same reason. So I thought uh, as soon as Kim came to us and, and sort of presented it to us, we, we knew we wanted to take on the project. And we thought it was a very important pro- project that hopefully is one more step in a direction that has a positive outcome for agriculture.
0: No, mm, well, I definitely think it is. Like, I, I haven't had a chance to see the video yet, but the report that was produced, I found it really, really impressive. So I think it definitely is a step in the yeah. right direction. From your perspective as a film producer, uh, like filming that conversation between the, the the vegan activist and the feedlot owner, like I'm just like in general, I'm curious about your experience in the project. But maybe you could talk about that experience a little bit. Like, was your stomach knotting up when that was happening? Or yeah, I'm wondering.
1: No, I love love doing videos like this, and I love having these difficult conversations because for for myself, I really think they're important conversations. They're conversations that are gonna start to bridge some of these gaps that we really started to as a society look at in silos and they're not they're interconnected these conversations we need we need to start to have to solve a lot of problems that we're facing, not only in the agriculture indie industry, but even in the world in terms of food production. I love these type of conversations and it was something that really intrigued me to sit back and watch and listen. And that's a lot of our job is being able to to listen to what's really happening. And the, the most uh, fun thing about it that I think that was really interesting is on day one of filming, we went down and we had a big group of five or six people and tried to have the same conversation. and. It was difficult because we didn't actually understand how hard that was going to be because we had about five different perspectives. It wasn't just as simple as a vegan and a and a rancher. This system works on multiple people, but to put it into a video format, when you have five or six uh, individual voices trying to voice their opinions, you start to go down rabbit holes. And you can sort of see that even in social media where you start to have these conversations that lead you off of the purpose or the why you're there. And so we actually had to step back for a moment and re-examine and say, how do we simplify this to to transfer it into a video format? (laughs) Because it was like you were shifting. It was just like a social media debate the whole time. And so we decided to simplify it. And we did take two of the video where we just made it about the vegan and the feedlot producer before we had a lot of different perspectives that had a lot of gray opinions within it. And so It was a little bit more simple to show this this type of conversation with two people versus five. But it was a really interesting day. Um, I think one of the, the biggest lessons I learned from it is that the stories we tell ourselves we carry through in our our conversations with others. And and that's sort of the lens with which we view a lot of these conversations. And so taking the time to understand our own stories is really critical in moving forward and bridging gaps that we have with the public around these issues of agriculture and food production.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong here, but from my reading of the report, I kind of got the impression that it sort of applied we needed a new approach to communications around the livestock and environment issue. Can you let us know why it's necessary? to find a new approach to communications around this particular issue?
1: I hate to even say it's a new approach because I think this approach has been around for a long time. It's just applying it to our industry. And I think that the reason why is we're so used to being on this defensive approach where we feel attacked from another person's opinion. And when we stop and, and we really listen to Ashley in the film and you hear her speak, a lot of it is actually her own personal experience of what led her down this path and her own personal story. Not as much to do with agriculture as we actually first thought, as as you might predict and and think. And so I think, you know, a lot of the times we get stuck on these little facts and these little stories within agriculture that make us defensive and make us go in and start trying to protect what what we believe versus stopping and and Sometimes with listening, at least from what Ben and I have both experienced in the process of going and meeting so many people throughout our career in 12 years, where we've talked with vegans, we've Gone to practices that are really traditional egg, you know, bigger farms, bigger operations. We've gone to small operations that you know they rent two acres of land and make a living on it. We have met so many different people with so many different ideas of what agriculture and food production should look like. And so I think the big lesson for for Ben and I in all of that is that there probably isn't one right answer. This is a complex issue and a complex conversation. And we have to approach it with a little bit more open mind to stop and, and here. That doesn't mean we have to agree, but stop and here because a lot of the times there's actually a lot of things that we have in common that we might not see. And I think when you look at Andrea and you look at Ashley in this film, both of them actually care about the environment and animals equally. They just have a different idea of what that should look like. And so when we approach these conversations from saying you're passionate and I'm passionate, what can we do? It changes that conversation as opposed to going in and saying you're wrong, because sometimes I'm sure we've all experienced some of that is that you only know what you know. Right. And so some of it is if we can't find the starting point in agriculture to have these different difficult conversations and to bridge some of these gaps on where we can start that conversation with trust or at least respect then how do we ever get any ground or find any footing in it? Um, we have to start to find where, where we start the same or what we have in common in order to be able to have effective conversations and move the needle into more understanding of what our practices are and why we do them. After we're able to do that, then, I mean, it's still up to them to decide if they believe in that or not. And we have to accept that. But at this point, I don't even think we're sometimes making it to that point of being able to have them here. What we're actually doing with our practices and how we've advanced them, and really how that impacts the rest of our ecosystems and our food production systems.
0: I know that makes a lot of sense. Okay, I want to push you a little bit on two points you made there because I found yeah. them interesting. Sure. So you mentioned that like listening uh, in these conversations, and hopefully I was listening correctly, is a very important part of this communication strategy? Why does listening matter? What if I just come up with a brilliant, well-articulated argument that just blows every argument out of the water? Isn't that good enough? Why, why do I still need to listen to something that I don't really agree with?
1: Well, and most people are really great at creating beautifully articulate arguments. And it's really easy in our society today to find stats and find evidence to to support your, your beliefs. And I think all of us can sort of sit back long enough and chuckle because we are, we're all living it today, Derek, where we see COVID as a perfect example of that. All you have to do is is go onto a Google search long enough to find evidence that you're correct. And that's the same thing in ag. That's not hard to find. And so it's not about, it's no longer about finding evidence. And, and I think a lot of our industry comes from that sort of angle is the stats. And while that really matters, and that it it matters that we're actually doing the research that backs up what we're saying, what's more important is understanding the human emotion behind the other side, having an understanding of why they believe what they believe is critical. And so in the film, you'll see an example where Ashley talks a little bit about what she believes factory farming is. I think that's a really big trigger word for our industry, and we get very defensive on it. But there's also a a lot of learning around the why and the how and and the different purposes behind some of these systems, and then also the animal welfare that we have had in practices with it. But we also have to understand her perception on that and her definition and her story around that before we can actually move forward. And I think for myself, when, when I sat back, and and listen to the conversation unfortunately you guys don't get to see it all because it's actually about an hour and a half to two hour conversation but there was a and I don't think this part made it into the film but you know there's a really critical part where you know Ashley sort of sat back and believed where it you know it's like but I care for animals and can't we let them roam free and just let them be and at that point I I think Andrea was sort of said to her, yeah, I love animals too, but it's not such a nice death to die by your teeth rotting out (laughs) or another animal killing you. And so, you know, I I think when you really sat back and you started to listen, there's these two passionate humans about animal welfare. And there's two passionate humans about the impact on the environment in our food system. I've always held the belief that if we start from a common area, If we start from an idea that we think the same, that we care about the same thing, the how and the why can start to figure itself out. But when we come into a situation where we're approaching each other, believing we're so different, it's very, very hard to find any spot to work from that. So being able to find what's common with each other and understand that probably may it be a vegan or a feedlot producer on the other side in general, most humans are not evil and horrible people. (laughs) So how do we start? How do we start to find the thing that the the point that we can agree on? Because once we can agree on one thing, it opens up our world to allow to have another conversation. And some of that that, you know, and I think David makes his point, and I agree with him in this is that it's not about Saying you're right. And I think that's what we sort of get hung up on is that by saying, I agree with you, I care about the environment, I agree with you, I care about cattle or about the welfare of animals, what we're saying is you're right. But in truth, we just see what that looks like differently from each other. And so working from that point, I think, allows us to say, you know, to ask a few more questions to say, so why do you feel that way? What do you see that bothers you? Because then we have a different perspective, Derek. Otherwise, I'm just guessing what that person's thinking. I'm creating my own narrative and my own story around what they're seeing versus having an understanding of how we can help them move forward in some of that conversation or how they can help me move forward. And so asking those questions and truly listening to have an understanding in Ashley's case, what she was seeing in factory farming is really critical in terms of changing the conversation we're having with the public.
0: I was thinking the, the bit you brought up about finding that common ground. And when I think of a, you know, a rancher in Iracana and somebody in Edmonton, they have very different mm-hmm. lived experiences. Like I get it. They're both Albertan. They're, they're both human. There, there are some intersection points. The lived experiences are quite different. So in a situation like that, how do you find that common ground where what the way one person's lived their life is, is quite different from how you've lived your life?
1: Well, well, humans are complex, we're not. And I think that's an important thing to remember that really we like to think we're more original and we're very different from each other, but we're really not. Innately, I think most humans desire mostly the same general thing and, and care about um, the same general thing. That doesn't mean it looks the same, but I think that's an important statement because at the end of the day, really, if you were to close your eyes and not understand some of the language, like the word factory farming, who that would have came from. Mm. Both of them said the same things in terms of what they cared about. What they didn't say the same thing on was how to fix it or how they imagined to make it better. And so in Andrea's case, she really, really cares about the feedlot. And as she knows all the practices they put into place and why the feedlot is used in her case. And She's a woman that is so passionate about the environment and so passionate about animal welfare. And you can see that when you visit her operation. And so, she has scare. care, she, they use the latest techniques, the latest studies, they use a lot of organic practices, they use a lot of regenerative egg systems, like putting their fields back into uh, pasture versus crop. So they're really progressive in so many ways and really headed down a path of, of really paying attention to the environment and to animal welfare. As are most producers, really, like it, it's a big topic, all you have to do is go on to the latest industry event, it might be through a crop production organization, or it might be from a beef one. But most of them are talking about these same practices, cover crops, soil, all of these things, water, all these things are talked about often now. That matters to Andrea, and you can see that in the film. But when you talk with Ashley, and when she says what she cares about, really, it is very similar, other than the point that we eat the animals. And so she just doesn't understand the production practices to the same point that Andrea does. A lot of it is, I I suppose, on my side, Derek, what I would pose as a question instead to the industry is if we don't find the common ground that we both care about the same thing. How do we ever make enough ground to shift their perspective on how we achieve that? And so when we look at it is if we approach it from a you're wrong and you know nothing approach, I don't think that we're going to have effective communication or conversations to say, not necessarily convince people or shift them, but but a little bit of education, Derek, in terms of some of the practices and some of the advancements that we're studying. And an example of that that's perfect to show is, you know, some of the work that Kim's doing with Soil carbon sequestration, like the practices of what we need cattle in Canada for, and how they can really help us with our environmental issue, is really critical in this conversation. But one that is really hard to have because of what narrative most of the public has had around methane produce production and cattle. And so, I think that we have to start to stop and listen, converse, and then say, "I agree with you. The environment matters, and this this is what we do in our own." operations to care for it. And I think that, you know, some of the the film's purpose was really to show people different techniques and different um, ways to really zone in on how to have a conversation like that, because it's not in our nature. (laughs) It's not in our nature to sit back and say, I completely disagree with you, but I agree with you. (laughs) There's one part of it, right? (laughs) And so I think that what's really cool about what Kim pulled together here is that David, Kim and Deb, is that David brings to the table a technique that is really something that probably has to be practiced by humans, but something that we can all learn from to move forward on so that the next time we sit down on social media and we see this conversation happening, or the next time we're at a dinner table and we're having it, we have some tools for ourselves to be able to use to actually effectively maybe reach one person. And really, I think that's what it's going to take is one person at a time having this conversation. And in my mind, we can learn just as much from the public as they can learn from us. It's a two-way education. I I don't believe it's ever going to be only a one-way conversation.
0: Kind of the approach that you guys worked out this project. It just kind seems like a great way to reduce stress levels. Because when you do have those conversations, like, you know, steam isn't immediately coming out of your ears. You're like, okay, I no, know, I know what to do. I have these tools. Like I can listen, I can calm myself down and remembering like, I'm going to react in a certain way because that's who I am, but it's okay to react like that. But it's coming from this place. Not so much because like, I think this person's so wrong in front of me.
1: Well, and I think that it's a really important statement, Derek, because I have never been to a ranch or a farm where most producers aren't a little bit of a experimenter or, mm. you know, a scientist kind of feeling to them where they go out and they seek to understand. They're, they're going out into their fields and they might try a new crop in a little section or they might go out and try a new type of fencing or water system or something like that. And typically, they try it on a small scale. And once they try it on a small scale, then they make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And if it starts to work, and I think we sort of have to approach these types of conversations the same way, is that by nature, farmers and ranchers are scientists and seekers, and they sort of like to test things and and discover new ways of doing. And when you look at these conversations, we get sort of stuck in this routine of being like, I'm cemented in my opinion, and nothing is going to change. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that we have to change our our practices all the time or that everybody's right. Perceptions are reality. And so right now, uh, we've got to meet those people at their reality so that we can actually have the conversation that isn't so defensive and more offensive, where we're starting to talk with the public in a way they're willing to talk with us and meet them where they're already having these conversations versus bringing them over to... The areas we care about and so if we don't start to meet them at where they're at we are facing an uphill battle and so i think it's really important we understand and we listen to them because the more and more we do that the easier and easier it becomes to find out where we we sort of meet those intersections where we start to have those conversations that really shift and change not only the perception of food production and agriculture but allows us to learn from it to understand how we change our communication, how we maybe look at the way with which we interact with the public and our food.
0: And now, in relation to the livestock and environment uh, conversation debate, why is it important to bridge those echo chambers? I'm mainly curious about like what, what's the ultimate good that comes out of bridging these echo chambers?
1: unfortunately we share the world <laughs> and, and we're all we're all part of the same system and, and and we need each other part of it is you know ben and i have been working so heavily outside of this project and a lot of really important issues and cattle and the environment you know go really hand in hand so we're, we're in the middle of doing stories on different ways that they help with food waste or with fires or you know in in terms of the the documentary created on guardians of the grasslands and These are such important issues and they're really critical and they impact the public in a big way, in a positive way, and also our environment and also the habitat and our waterways and everything in between. As farmers and ranchers, sometimes we don't see the public a lot, but we impact a lot of the public. And Mm -hmm. and some of the choices we make impact the public and the way that they can live a good life that they care about, like clean water, as an example. So, having a better understanding of the things we take care of as ranchers. And having a better understanding of the way that we take care of these ecological goods and services that a lot of the times the public might not even consider is something that we really have to have a different voice in that conversation and start to bridge that gap. Because right now it's almost like we're trying to walk uphill and somebody's holding our head. It's like the public has a perception that has been told to them by a lot of different organizations. And some of it is true. Like I'm not saying that. We've always been perfect in agriculture, but we are making strides and, and there's a lot of difference we can make and we are wanking. And so I think that having those conversations and bridging those gaps allows us to have partners beside us versus constantly having to divert our energy into fighting or into challenging each other. And for myself, I don't know about you, Derek, but I would rather walk side by side with somebody versus having you know two forces meeting each other. And I think that by looking at them as a partner and then looking at them as a way for us to grow as an industry too and vice versa, where we can grow them to, to show them the world that we helped create for them too and vice versa. I think that this allows us to actually form a partnership of meaning without having to to constantly look at each other as arch nemesis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, it's better to do this together than alone, I think.
1: One thing I want to say, Derek, is that I'm so impressed that our industry is headed where it is in these conversations. I think the strides we've made in the last five years in terms of bridging these gaps and understanding that important, important partnership between public, um, consumers, and producers and ranchers is huge. I think that we have made more movement in that um, in the last five years than probably the previous 20. As crazy as social media can be, and it can feel like you're, you know, which is part of the purpose of this (laughs) where we go on there and debate, there's a lot of ranchers and producers really bridging those gaps already. And doing it in such a way that is really effective and positive. And that's so nice to see that people are taking these stories into their own hands and saying, I'm going to speak because I'm passionate about this and I'm going to change the way I'm doing it. And so I've got to give so much credit to to the public and to the industry, because I think that it's really encouraging to see how many people are becoming passionate about sharing their stories, and then also having conversations that matter and listening. And I think that the more and more we can do that, the better and better our industry is gonna get.
0: Rural Roots to Climate Solutions is an Alberta-based initiative empowering agriculture producers, and the communities they live in with climate solutions. Rural Roots runs workshops, farm field days, webinars, and social innovation labs. We produce a farmer's blog. We work with rural communities to develop their own renewable energy projects. And of course, we do this podcast. For more information about us and what we do, go to the website, which is www.rr2cs.ca. For more information about the Bridging the Echo Chambers Project and Food Water Wellness Foundation, go to www.foodwaterwellness.org. This project has been made possible in part by the Government of Canada and the Government of Alberta through the Canadian Agricultural Partnership. My parts of the podcast were recorded in Calgary, which means they were recorded on Treaty 7 lands, and in Métis Region 3.